everyone and welcome to Babbles with Besties. I'm Maddie and in this podcast series I chat with some of my friends about topics that matter to them and hopefully to you too. Today I am joined by the wonderful Sasha. So welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> no one usually asks me how I'm doing. <laughs> Hey guys, just a disclaimer, in this episode we are going to be touching on some sensitive topics and disordered eating behaviours. If this isn't for you, feel free to skip this episode and catch up on any of my other episodes. So as you all know, I like to start each episode by sharing a little bit about you and perhaps in this episode also a little bit about your connection to the topic today, which is obviously all about social media's toxic diet culture. Yeah, so... Obviously, everybody knows or is completely intertwined with social media, and you've probably, I guess, noticed this whole diet culture or the toxicity of it all, but in terms of my connection to it, I started dancing when I was almost three, so I was so young, and then basically for as long as I can remember, I've just always wanted to be a ballerina. Like throughout school, everyone called me the dancer. <laughs> I probably remember I that do, actually. I do. We went yeah. we went to school together, Sasha and I, and I definitely remember you were like the ballerina, yeah. ballerina queen. Yeah, everyone was like, yep, yeah, that's the ballerina. <laughs> and like I was just so incredibly passionate. Um, and then at about I think I was 15, I actually decided to leave school to dance full-time. It was predominantly ballet, but I was doing lots of other styles. So yeah, it was so hard. I honestly put education like on my back burner so I could completely pursue my passion. Yeah, which you have to do if you want to be like a full-time dancer. It's yes. so cutthroat. Exactly. No, that's actually the biggest thing. If you want to become a professional dancer, like number one, you have to know pretty early on that that's what you want to do. And a lot of the time, Australian dancers will have to move overseas because especially for ballet, there's just like not many like opportunities exactly there's just not many opportunities and so yeah 15 I went full-time and then like one and a half years later I went on a tour around Europe to all these like amazing schools like I went to Switzerland and Germany and yes, England I remember when you were in Germany yeah um and then I got into an incredible academy it was also connected to a university so that was in Mannheim in Germany I got my master's of the arts over there as well Wow! and then kind of connected to that school well the director of my school in Mannheim was also the director of a professional ballet company in Karlsruhe so those cities are about 20 minutes apart right so I also got to dance with that professional ballet company in okay. Karlsruhe which was like absolutely amazing got to perform my dream ballet like oh my Swan gosh. Lake and oh, I was like yep I've made it Swan I've made, made it that's like the pinnacle of ballets yeah, right yeah like, oh, it definitely is and in my premiere I got trampled over like completely fell over on stage oh my gosh what yeah it was great anyway oh gosh. I, I laugh about it now because it was traumatizing yeah I actually laughed on stage <laughs> anyway um so yeah but obviously I mean lots of people know the whole um, like the toxic diet culture, even within industries such as like dancing and gymnastics, modeling, modeling, just yeah. athletics as well. And even just the different type of body image that's expected within those respected industries. And it, yeah, I guess it's just known in our modern culture that like, yep, those professions have to look a certain way. 
yeah, as you said, expectations about um, women's, yeah. women's bodies usually. Yeah, it is. And it is usually women's bodies. That's where it all starts, yeah. being completely entrenched in this in this culture. I also grew up doing dancing, but I knew that like going the full-time route wasn't for me. It's like so competitive, so yeah. intense. But I mean, like for you, like what kind of pressures did you personally experience like in terms of toxic diet culture within like the dance world? Within Australia, it was like an unspoken right. rule. No one would outrightly unspoken. say something no. to you. Like no one ever outrightly said like, oh, Sasha, I don't know, maybe for example, you should lose weight and then you'd get into a ballet school or something like that. Or yeah. you would win first place if you lost weight. Like it wasn't outrightly said to me anywhere like in Australia, but it was kind of this unspoken understanding. I definitely wasn't the skinniest person on stage. I started to notice that I wasn't winning. It's completely fine. Like it's a competitive world, but the people who were winning just happened to be really, really thin. Yeah, they all sort of fitted into that particular yeah, mold that particular, of that body type. It got to me so much because I'm like, I felt like I really did a, a wonderful performance. And you're probably training and working so hard, exactly. like to the best of your abilities. Yeah, you train for hours and hours a day, and like you put your soul into it. Like when you're performing on stage, like you put all of yourself into it yeah so it's not even that someone's like criticizing the routine or choreography like it feels like it is they are completely assessing and criticizing you as a whole person like almost like a personal not i don't want to say attack but like a personal assessment yeah so like on an emotional level like it just becomes so hard and then there's like a young teenager like going through that um it's probably you'd, really hard. Yeah, and you you see like this whole world unfolding. Like even if it's unspoken, you can just see what's going on. You can see like the judges are perpetuating, the adjudicators are perpetuating this idea that I'm going to give first place to the one who ideally looks like the ballerina. Um, and then like once I moved to Germany, initially, like nothing was said either, and I was surprised because I thought, oh, maybe Australia they were just trying to do better they were trying to make sure that their dancers were healthy and not perpetuating eating disorders or perpetuating unhealthy like body image or things like that yeah and so when I moved to Germany I was told that things would be different and you know you'd most likely see things and hear things but at first I was like oh no like this is actually fine like I'm really happy I must have found a really good school because they're not Mm. talking about it a really good like culture as well and like yeah, but obviously things changed a lot. It was still a little bit of this unspoken thing. Like you'd see people around and the ones who got all of the best roles or got all of the attention from the directors and the teachers were all of the ones who clearly were very, very thin or had lost a dramatic amount of weight in a short period of time. Right. Yeah, so you could just see it around you even if you weren't particularly told anything. Yeah. And that's why, like, things just get so toxic when you're in this bubble or, like, you're in this culture. Um, And that's not to say that it's just within those industries. Oh, yeah, it would be sort of... So people, yeah, so this is when, like, it actually, it surrounds everyone. Every time you're scrolling on Instagram, it's going to be there somewhere. Like. Exactly. And that's like <laughs> definitely something we're going to get into yeah. and touch on more today. But um, before we do that, I guess I sort of wanted to know like sort of when things sort of started to turn around for you because you were sort of, I don't want to say like trapped, but almost mm. like trapped within this world of like all these negative um expectations in terms of like health and body image so yeah when did things turn around for you because I know now yeah um, for the listeners at home Sasha is 
a nutrition student and yeah, yeah mm-hmm. so I guess like when did that shift sort of happen in your life? Within my first year at the academy like I started to get really upset at my own body image um, because I just didn't look like some of the other dancers around me and so in my head I just thought you know like I really need to change the way that I look in order to get the parts like to prove to everyone why I've traveled all this way and to be a successful dancer and so you know completely was entrenched in that whole yet disordered eating lost a lot of weight was very very unhealthy definitely not giving myself enough nourishment like calorically emotionally like everything and then of course I got all this attention all this positive reinforcement which obviously made the eating disorder like so much worse you're getting validation you get so much yeah validation not many people even around me said like you should stop Mm, they were sort of like, encouraging that behavior yeah, yeah I only had like one or two friends that were like are you sure you're okay like you're starting to look a little bit unwell you should maybe stop what you're doing and I'm like no nah, I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine and then towards the end of my degree like I was just so fatigued and I was just like if I need to perform these amazing ballets and big performances I need energy and I can't keep feeling so fatigued I feel really crap <laughs> And so I just took it upon myself. You know, I did all this research and deleted everyone off social media that was perpetuating this whole idea of losing weight or other people that made me feel bad. And I just honed in on myself. I tried to eat better. It was was really hard. Then, you know, you'd eat too much and you'd feel sick because your body's just not used to it. But... No, I can Um, imagine it was really hard because you'd be sort of stuck in sort of one way of thinking and seeing the world for so long and suddenly you had to sort of like... Change it. Yeah, Yeah. change it. And by yourself. So I did that and then obviously things then changed for me. My director wasn't too happy for me, Uh, didn't give me the marks I deserved purely because of the way I looked. That's horrible. um, Because I wasn't as thin as I used to be. It was in that moment where I was just like, you know what? I can't live the rest of my life like this. You can't like, live I the actually... rest of your life for other people as well. Yeah, exactly. That's so true. And I was just like, I refuse. I refuse to do this. I am so unhappy. And I'm finally getting healthy. Like, finally getting healthy. And now I have someone of this, per- like, this person I looked up to my whole entire life. And she's just told me she, like, no longer respects me because I am now healthier. That's messed up. Yeah, and I was like, no, nah, I'm going home. <laughs> Mom, where are you? Bye. <laughs> Bye, Jemmy. <laughs> yeah. I actually felt that, like, I want to help people. I want to, like, prevent this happening. Teaching people how they can best support their health or they can realise when they're being trapped in this world of reinforcement, like that positive reinforcement that I went through. Um, So you've quit dancing now? Yeah. Wow. And that's actually crazy. I mean, that's such a big move because, I mean, when I quit dancing, I I danced for about 10 years. Like, it was such, like, a big thing because I felt like such, as you said, it's Mm. emotional. It's like, it's it's a passion. It's part of your life. So it would have, clearly it was an issue if you were willing to step away from something that you'd been, like, working on your entire life. And that was literally your dream job. Yeah. And it was, it was an identity issue as well. Right. Yeah. Like, I didn't separate, like, the dancer and the person like the me <laughs> like you were a dancer I, and that's yeah, it that, that was, was my entire identity so it was just like coming home and realizing that I I just need to step away I'd actually told myself it wouldn't be forever it would just be for the moment because I need to work on my health and yeah work through some like 
you know, conditions, also just mentally and all of that stuff that I had just been through. as well. Healing. It was all about healing. So I, I knew that I needed to step away from it. And though lots of my friends and my family didn't understand that, um, I just knew I had to. And so it was just a massive identity issue. Like, who am I if I'm not the dancer? And I was just like, maybe, like, what else can I do in, in this time where I'm not dancing and not you know going to the studio every day or like fixating on what I'm eating but because I actually became so so interested in nutrition and health and nourishment and even just like holistic healing I was just like you know what what can I do here what can I keep myself busy with it's so interesting and yeah so that's how I found what I'm doing now so I'm doing nutritional and dietetic medicine but yeah, yeah, no, I think that's incredible. And like, thank you so much for like sharing that. And that's not even the main topic for today, guys. This yep. was just to give you a bit of a backstory. And I think like, it's so clear that like, you're so passionate mm. about this topic. So I'm really excited to get into the meat of the episode. So while toxic diet culture has arguably always been present in our society, social media has definitely given it a new platform to spread insecurity among users, especially teenagers and young adults. I mean, our social media feeds are constantly filled with fit and toned bodies, especially those of celebrities and influencers who are promoting diets and workout advice and, and nutrition schedules and all kinds of things like that. So, I mean, yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, I think everybody follows at least one to two influencers, like either doing like at-home workouts or like they're showing you like what they eat in a day and like my weight loss journey or this is my new product. It promotes detoxing. Like <laughs> It's like, um, like we all follow an influencer like we probably don't think it's going to do us too much harm but yeah like there's just such a prevalence of this um I guess diet culture within social media like we're seeing it on TikTok we're seeing it on Instagram we don't really know where they're getting all of their information from like they're also probably getting it from other influencers it's like this perpetual cycle yeah I mean like they're sending this message to their followers that in order to look like them you need to mirror their lifestyle but that's actually not the case at all just because you follow someone else's lifestyle doesn't mean you're going to look like them yeah. that's just not how yeah. our bodies work we are so individual we're so individual there's, <laughs> there's actually no way that we can just look like someone else if we follow their lifestyle there's also so many other factors why aren't we looking at you know the person's height the funds for getting all these expensive products mm. being able to get a gym membership um, genetic predisposition. There are so many reasons why we can't look exactly like someone else on the internet. Yeah, and I think as well, like, we take a lot of the words of these influencers and celebrities as sort of like holy grail advice, <laughs> like as, as, as truth, but really a lot of the information that they're um, precipitating can be really misleading. I mean, often yeah. a lot of these fitness influencers are not actually health professionals. Mm. They haven't studied nutrition yeah. and in that sense, they can be sort of spreading misinformation and things that just aren't that correct. That is so true. Or and like, you would know yeah, that as a nutrition exactly. student as well. Yeah, and so many people say, this works for me, so it will work for you. Mm. And then there are like, I don't know, if you look at the comments, there'll be like all of these health practitioners that are like, that's not backed up by science, like that's a myth, like I'm happy that works for you, but it most definitely won't work for anyone else. Yeah, um, and we forget they're being paid to do it. Yeah. Like there's no way that these people are sitting around like wearing their waist trainers all day. Like, I'm sorry, that's just unrealistic and uncomfortable. I'm not going to sit around wearing a waist trainer all day. I'm sorry. I think we need to be like a little bit more critical about what 
is being sort of uh, promoted to us because a lot of these things mm -hmm. if they seem too good to be true i mean they yeah. usually are right and uh, it's so true we have to remember that influence is going to be paid they're going to say anything to convince us that xyz is going to work for us you know we there's this whole movement going around where people are saying you know you have to start following your dietitians your nutritionists your naturopaths people who have health science degrees or who are medical professionals that's where you need to be getting your advice from or like if you're genuinely suffering like go see a doctor yeah like actually go see someone you know some products are going to definitely do more harm than good you get that fine line between harmful and helpful yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly and i think when people see what influencers are doing in terms of different fads and diets, they might take that to the extreme as well. Mm. So, I mean, like you were telling me before about the apple cider vinegar <laughs> sort of fad going on there. Yeah, like there are so many videos, especially on YouTube. Like I saw quite a while ago, everyone's taking like shots of apple cider vinegar and they say it's good for like detoxification and cleansing your and cleansing. Cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> and like fact is it's actually not great for your teeth. Like, it's it's really acidic. Yeah. So, I mean, people aren't, like, if you're not brushing your teeth straight after, like, studies actually show that if you're not brushing your teeth straight after taking something like apple cider vinegar, which in itself should actually be diluted, um, it's acidic. So it's not going to be great for your teeth. And it's also going to irritate your esophagus. So, like, wow. yeah, we need to be really careful. And influencers won't talk about that either. No, they won't talk about, no. like, the negative side. Like, I've I've hurt my throat with apple cider vinegar, like, when I was young and yeah. I was in Germany. I was like, yep, new fad, new thing I have to do. Mm. I hurt my throat so much. Oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awful. Yeah. And I think what you said before as well about, like, the fact that there is a fine line between health content being helpful and harmful is is a really good point because I was doing a little bit of research and the Butterfly Foundation um, did annual insights um, in a body esteem survey of more than 5,000 Australians. And it was all about sort of how social media's influence is impacting how young people view their bodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. like as a young person, I know that what I see on social media impacts how I feel about myself. Yeah. And the results were, they're not shocking. I mean, they were expected, but they were yeah. disappointing. So yeah. of those 5,000 people that were surveyed, 48% indicated that they were dissatisfied or very dissatisfied with their appearance. And almost 58% compared themselves to people on social media. So yeah. like, it's just sort of makes you think, are these fitness influences positively yeah. impacting people's lives as they supposedly preach that they are? That's definitely to be expected, the results from the study. But it, it is really sad. A lot of this content is promoting one type of body as mm -hmm. the ideal image of health, Yeah, which can be really damaging because health comes in all shapes and sizes. And you can't just presume that because someone is in a smaller body, mm -hmm. that that means that they are healthy. Yeah, this is so true. And it's actually, it's sad. There's a reason why lots of people aren't actually diagnosed with eating disorders. Like, you know, people will go into a doctor's clinic and feel like, I feel like I'm suffering. And, you know, they won't admit them or they won't get them the help that they need because they are not small enough. Right. Yeah, or they are not under a certain BMI. Even I'm guilty of this. Maybe probably when I was a bit younger, you'd look at someone, they're in a larger body, and you'd be like, they must be so unhealthy. Yeah, but there's so many, like, incredible people that I've seen in larger bodies who are so much fitter, yeah. so much stronger, <laughs> so eat so much healthier yeah. than I do, um... 
and and people just presume or make assumptions that that person needs to lose weight or is unhealthy when really like they could be so fit and healthy and strong yeah and it's just it's presented in a different type of body exactly and we we can't just say that body is ideal that is the healthy body and if you don't fit into that mold that's just not right and you're not good enough yeah and you're not trying hard enough as well yeah I was also doing a little bit more research and this I found really interesting. There was a study conducted by health researchers at the University of Glasgow and they basically examined the UK's nine most popular social media influencers to sort of determine if there was any accuracy to their health or weight loss content. So this is pretty crazy. Of the nine influencers, only one provided accurate and trustworthy information and not surprisingly, this influencer who did was the only one who was a registered nutritionist (laughs) with a degree like that's literally what we were just talking about and also even more unsettling five of the influencers presented their sort of health opinions as fact or they failed to provide evidence-based references to back up their claims so when this information that they were sort of promoting was compared against public health england's daily calorie targets no influencer met the credible criteria so none of them met the public health's calorie (laughs) targets of what you're meant to be eating what you're meant to be consuming which is just baffles me and yet that's what we're listening to yeah we're not looking at you know like new south wales health information we're looking at like we're looking, at like, we're looking at like we don't I, even meet the health criteria i know so it's that's crazy <laughs> yeah and i just i i guess i think the point to make is i don't think that these celebrities and influencers are inherently trying to misinform their audience mm-hmm. they're not trying to be sneaky and, no, and mislead us but yeah. um sort of as we've already touched on um this can be really harmful and dangerous to people who are taking their claims as pure fact yeah and then it's also extremely triggering for those who have a history of disordered eating as well so i believe we live in a culture that reinforces the idea that there are good foods and there are bad foods um and obviously while there are foods that are healthier and obviously better for you than others i think using these categorical terms of good bad good versus evil Mm -hmm. um inserts a lot of morality into what we eat and sort of brings about this whole idea of the moralization of food how many times have we even just said like i'm really naughty today like i had some cake oh i want to have a cheat day yeah cheat weekend Why do we even do this to ourselves? I mean, look, it's it's actually not our fault. Because, I did, it, I did yeah. it today, though. Yeah. I literally when did I it today. <laughs> it, was my, it was my brother's birthday this weekend, and we have all kinds of, like, all kinds of unhealthy food in the fridge. Like, we've got cake, we've got ice cream and everything. And when Sasha arrived before we started to record, I said, oh, we've got so much shitty food in the fridge. Yeah. Like, it's actually not your fault because everyone that we speak to is actually just saying the exact same things The people you follow are saying the exact same things the videos we watch online are going to be using the same terminology to deem certain foods good and bad so yeah. I, that's actually something yeah we have to mention everyone is is actually in this yeah um, even like in the media we consume like if you are looking at healthy recipes and there's like a guilt-free chocolate cake okay what are the assumptions around that the fact that if the cake has sugar and butter and all mm-hmm. these other ingredients that it's you should feel guilty about doing that Mm, and you lack the willpower to say no to those supposedly in brackets bad foods yeah i mean it's actually a really like perfect segue into like all of these fad diets um so for example when people are demonizing carbohydrates it it honestly just gets to me um because we 
need carbohydrates for energy. So basically our brain and our reproductive organs are actually glucose dependent. So we get glucose from carbs. <laughs> there are ways our body can get this glucose if we're not eating carbs, so from proteins and from fats, but it's actually it's going to take longer, it's more taxing, you need more energy for that. We need this for energy to walk, to live our lives. It's so sad when we're depriving ourselves of the energy that our organs genuinely need. And we really beat ourselves up if we're not able to sort of resist these temptations. Mm. I mean, the fact that we're even calling them temptations, but resist yeah. these temptations and make better choices. I mean, it really, it sort of becomes the catalyst for a lot of disordered eating. Usually these cravings or like, as you say, like temptations, our body is telling us what it needs. Like we have hunger cues for reasons and we have cravings for a reason. Like our body is so incredibly smart. A lot of the time, if we feel like we need a cheat day, it's probably because we haven't calorically nourished ourselves enough throughout the week. <laughs> and then we're having this massive binge on the weekend and then we're all upset. But it's like, you know, eat until you're full, eat until you feel completely satiated. You'll most likely not want to have some massive binge at the end of the week because you're satisfied, you're happy. And it might be a complete mix of having whole foods, whole, you know, fruits and veggies and all of that stuff, and a few, you know, lollies and whatever cake yeah, you need. Cheeky wines on the weekend. Yeah, oh, like even the fact that I just called it a cheeky wine. wine yeah. like, <laughs> see, like, yeah. I mean, we're, we're saying this now, but like, we are not immune to this. Like, it's, no, ingra it's ingrained no. into our vernacular it and it's ingrained into our culture. The fact that I even just said that now without thinking. Exactly. I'm like, Maddie, you're literally talking about this on a podcast and you shouldn't oh have God. said that. No, but, and that's why I'm actually so passionate with what I'm doing right now because like, we can. We can start to call out these things like, oh, you like you call that a cheat day, you call that a binge, you call that a naughty food. Why? Yeah, like, and then why? you can get into the whole mentality of it. You're like, oh my god, that's right. Like, why am I calling this naughty? I, I think this is a food that's prohibited. The more you try and say that's a food I can no longer eat, it's a, it's prohibited. Those are the foods you are honestly going to think about every single day until you finally eat it. Yes, <laughs> I have gone through this myself. Let's say I'm craving chocolate. And I'm like, I can't eat chocolate. I will eat anything else that's somewhat chocolate-based. I'll make myself a smoothie, bit, put some cacao powder in it, be like, yeah, that will that will curb my chocolate craving or something. No, I'll, it won't. Eat the yeah, chocolate. <laughs> and, I will, and then I'll eat anything that somewhat resembles chocolate. I'll eat everything. And then in the end, I'll finally eat the chocolate because I've just... And um, you could have just had the chocolate. I could have just had the chocolate. That's actually such a big thing. A lot of the time when I'm like with friends or even like when I'm at work, people say, oh my God, I really just feel like that. I'm the first person I'm like, just do it. Just yeah. eat it. I promise just you. Just have it. <laughs> you're going to think about it all day until you finally eat it. Yeah. So just do it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think, I mean, just to wrap up this idea about the moralization of food, I think we just need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves. We and... do. We're so harsh. So just going off what we were talking about before in terms of the moralization of food, clean eating is another term that has sort of grown in popularity and in terms of people's sort of eating behavior, wanting to be healthier and being more aware of the food that you're putting into your body, which I mean, it's great to want to be healthier. And I think when it starts with really clear and rational intentions of just like a desire to be healthier for yourself, mm. that's a really great thing. But um the clean eating movement has sort of got these negative connotations with it as well yeah. when people start to sort of take it to the extreme and taking yeah. it too far. So is that something you want to talk about for a bit? Yeah, 100%. 
Um, it's definitely thrown around, like with products or stuff we see on like grocery store shelves. Gluten-free, like organic. Gluten clean, helps you detox. <laughs> detox is like the word of the day, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, Natural. I laugh so much like when things claim like it's good for detoxing because we have organs in our body for that. <laughs> yeah. So like we have liver and kidneys. They're literally your body's our, natural yes. detoxes. So those are our detoxing organs. So there's no need to worry about this stuff unless you're suffering from liver disease or you have something wrong with your kidneys. Like, your body is really good at detoxing stuff. You don't need lemon water, guys. It's a myth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, there's no need to label products on the shelves or at vitamin stores and stuff as, yeah, detoxifying agents if our body just naturally does it ourselves. It's just thrown around. It's part of diet culture. It's marketing lingo. It's complete marketing. Mm. Yeah, just don't fall into that little rabbit hole. Yeah, I think as well, like, even the fact that it's called clean eating, I mean, the way that we were talking mm -hmm. about, like, categorizing and naming things before, it implies this really harmful message that some foods are clean and some foods are dirty. It's yeah. back to that moralization of food. And I think that's where the clean eating movements can sort of turn really negative i mean there's sort of this new eating disorder which has emerged from a deep commitment to clean eating called orthorexia mm -hmm. it's actually very prevalent in our society yeah oh, and just for the people at home it's um it's just this unhealthy obsession with clean eating and wellness to the point that it actually goes a bit too far, like involving yourself with restrictive eating and fad diets. So it's sort of when clean eating and, and a, a desire to become healthier sort of gets pushed mm -hmm. to the extreme. And yeah. as we know, nothing in extremes is ever good. No, I 100% agree with you. Um, and I completely admit to like um, having gone through orthorexia as well when I was in Germany, that was the beginning to a whole catalyst of other eating disorders. Um and it's hard. It, it definitely starts with good intentions. Like, I just want to be healthy. I want to feel good. I want to have energy. I don't want brain fog. Mm. All of that stuff. And it, it it changes because you do all this research or you listen to influences and you kind of you start to get anxiety. You're like, I can't believe I just had that food or that food. It defeats the purpose of why you wanted to start being healthy or maybe eating better in the first place. And this is why, yeah, we need to educate ourselves. We need to be listening to podcasts like this or talk to people about it because sometimes you don't actually realise to the extent maybe that you've gone to and particularly... Um, yeah, it can probably be really hard to recognise those behaviours once you're in it because you see it as mm. you're bettering yourself, you're, you're making good, healthy decisions. Yeah. And particularly when um, people come to this stuff at such a young age, particularly like teenage girls and stuff, there are so many repercussions you get from maybe like restricting your diet at such a young age and mm. it's not spoken about and like no one's telling these girls or these young boys or teenagers, like they just don't know. Like this is an age where you need to be growing. Like, yeah, nourishing yourself, nourishing your yeah. body. That's why you'll also see this particularly like within the dance industries or you know those other industries where perfectionism is such a common trait like everyone just wants to be so perfect perfect in your dancing in your body in your food and diet and this and that like everyone wants to be the best yeah and everyone wants to be perfect which is impossible 
Another thing I wanted to talk about was TikTok and how they romanticize diet culture. So the app's community guidelines supposedly ban videos that promote unhealthy eating habits that are likely to cause health issues in people using the platform. But I mean, I don't know if you've been on TikTok anytime <laughs> soon, but that is just not the case at all. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of like what I eat in a day videos where girls are just showing themselves severely under eating and like yeah. restricting themselves. It's so sad. And then they feed off each other. Like the demographic at the moment, like it's just young teenage girls. Yeah. And they're making videos and yeah, they 40... feed off each other. Like one girl says, I'm eating X amount of calories a day. This is what I eat. And another girl says, oh, I'm eating more than her. Maybe I should like restrict. I can do better than her. It's the body transformation videos as well that are, like, really, like, problematic. It speaks to, like, the really competitive nature of weight loss. And encourages the idea, again, that their original body weight wasn't good enough. Yeah, and I think, as you sort of touched on just now, I think it's really important to think about TikTok's demographic and who are the people that are consuming this content. Just for some stats, guys, 41% of TikTok's demographic are between the ages of 16 and 24, and majority are young girls as you said before mm -hmm. their bodies are still growing and developing and they're also extremely impressionable at this mm -hmm. age I don't know if you remember like at 16 you're comparing yourself to everybody else and I mean you know people get also really jealous yeah. like why can she do this why can't I do this why can't I look like her or yeah. I mean it, not even just within diet culture within like fashion and stationary and like you know it's just like stupid stuff at school but I mean we're always comparing ourselves to everyone it just it just becomes so much worse once once we're on these platforms exactly and I don't think like TikTok is moderated enough like I feel like these young girls as we said they're extremely impressionable they're extremely susceptible to misinformation and yeah, as we said before, like they're going to be comparing their own eating habits mm -hmm. with those of others and they're going to feel discouraged about the way they eat or how much they yeah. eat or how much they work out or their self-image mm -hmm. if it doesn't in sort of society's terms stack up to what they're seeing online. Exactly. And they also don't understand the repercussions for their future self. Yeah. Like if, if I knew the repercussions or stuff that I'm going through now because of what I did when I was younger... I wouldn't have gone through it anyway if I knew, but most definitely not. Personally as well, I just believe it's really reckless for weight loss advice to be shared between kids. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I think TikTok needs to do more in terms of like moderating their content. Exactly. I mean, like TikTok is quite different to other social platforms in the sense that you don't have to follow anyone mm -hmm. like you get a for you page and if you yeah. start looking at sort of content in terms of like really unhealthy content like it's a feedback loop yeah. and you're just going to be given more and more of that same content because tiktok thinks that's what you're interested in that's and so suddenly true. it consumes your whole perspective mm -hmm. and it therefore changes the way you think about so many things if that's the only information that you're being fed or that's the only information you're absorbing really you have obviously had this journey with mm -hmm. toxic diet culture and yeah, I just want to know if you had sort of any tips or advice for people listening on how to push back against that. I think the first thing is just recognizing that we are all completely entrenched in this same world. It's absolutely nobody's fault. It's just the world that we're in. But now, you know, it's time to realize 
when you're seeing these words like detoxes and cleanse and clean food and dairy-free and gluten-free and this and that to just know it is all part of marketing we have to start thinking twice like you know what's thinking critically about like exactly yeah critical wait, thinking critical thinking critical skills thinking students yes <laughs> critical thinking yes. um yeah number two start unfollowing the people who make you feel like crap yes oh my goodness like I'm sure you all know, like, there's just going to be some people, like, you always look at their photos and you're just, you're like, oh. It's almost like, no. like it's almost like a hate follow. Yeah. Like, why would you follow people and, and spend your time looking at stuff that, that's going to mm-hmm. make you feel bad about yourself? Yeah. And, you know, what can be really hard a lot of the time is if they're your friends mm. or they're people that you respect and you follow them out of respect or because they're your friends. Or like but a if, follow for a follow yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. But if you know that their photo pops up while you're scrolling and it something in you just feels off or makes you feel really bad about yourself, your body image or the way that you eat, or it is promoting something that you know is completely false, you just have to take it upon yourself and go, I just don't think this is healthy for me. I'm going to respectfully decline that content. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just say that. I mean, that's what I've done. It's amazing. And then instead, do just like a little swap. Okay, now I'm going to start following a health professional. Hmm. You know, like they're not all going to be boring. Like a lot of them are absolutely wonderful. <laughs> no, there's and... some amazing ladies yeah. and men out there that are doing some really great stuff online. Yeah, I find it entertaining. It's like refreshing your yeah. your social media feed yeah and then you actually realize like you tend to learn so much yeah from them and instead it's not just boring content and like you're looking at like a bikini and then you're looking at an avocado toast like (laughs) you're like you're actually learning while you're scrolling it's not just mindless scrolling yeah that's a really good point another thing is we should just talk about it more openly Mm. in general people have you know get into their own little bubble they get really anxious mental health is obviously a massive issue at the moment we just need to start being open. Sometimes people get, like, they're really surprised at how open I am. They're like, you're talking about an eating disorder? You're talking about mental health? I'm like, and? Let, like, let's just talk openly, be more honest, and we shouldn't have to change the way we talk or the way we act just because of the people we, we are with. Mm. If you don't like something that your friend is saying or you think it's perpetuating something that's incorrect or it's not in line with your journey just say something yeah I think I think we have become better at speaking out about these things I mean at least like in the last decade or so I mean the conversation has shifted but I I definitely agree there's more we can do and we also don't always know what people are going through or what kind of Mm. misinformation is being spread so yeah I think that's some really good advice we are designed to be different and individual so what's really the point if we're all the same it's so boring I know like let let's be individual let's be ourselves like we need to stop labeling different body types embracing our the differences within our bodies as well and it's so important to understand that you can be healthy at any size healthy is free from disease like it doesn't matter yeah healthy isn't attached to um a A body body. yes yes Yes. you can be healthy at any size and be completely happy and satiated and emotionally yeah satiated and happy (laughs) I love that well on that 
wonderful note we've come to the end of our episode for today Sasha thank you so much for joining me on the show and yeah bringing such an important topic to the podcast and one that you're also so passionate and open about as well thank you so much for having me it's been amazing thanks so much for listening to babbles with besties please subscribe and if you enjoyed this episode please leave me a five-star review I'll be so appreciative I'll be babbling your ears off next week with another bestie. Bye.